Let's read from the Word of God now as we turn to the New Testament. We're reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, and we begin to read at verse number 8. Letter written by Paul during one of his imprisonments, uh, possibly in Rome, that seems the most likely candidate. Uh, it wasn't his final imprisonment because uh, after it he was taken out to execution. Uh, this was one of several imprisonments, and from this he was eventually released. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. The God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being contented in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Would you describe yourself as a contented person? Not ask for a show of hands as to who thinks they are. And if we did have a show of hands, there might be others who would look on and wonder at perhaps why you had your hand in the air. But are you a contented person? Are you able in a world that's full of discontent and dissatisfaction to be at peace in yourself and be contented. There are many pressures, of course, that would push us to seek more and more of what the world offers. The whole advertising industry, by and large, is built on creating discontent. Those who advertise their products are certainly not going to be happy if potential customers say, I'm quite happy with what I've already got. They have to try and make you discontent and to believe you need something more or better or improved or whatever it would be. It's building on discontent. And of course there are so many 
factors that can lead us to being discontented. Uh, So many pressures that life brings to us that can stir in us a sense of stress, of perhaps even fear. Uh, And so many illnesses, of course, if they're not caused by stress, certainly uh, are made worse by stress. I think of the anxieties of the future that so many people experience. What's going to happen? What's ahead? Perhaps it's issues of, of health. Perhaps conscious of declining health. What will the future bring? How will we cope? What are we going to do? Who will care for us? And there are other people, of course, facing financial pressures, wondering how to make ends meet, how to meet their commitments week by week, month by month. Some facing redundancy. When we ministered in the country, farmers wondering about the right weather for the crops and if it was a bad year, how were they going to pay the bills? Whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation, there are many things that can make you anxious and fearful and discontented. Sometimes you don't have to look too hard to find them. And there are people who, perhaps partly in temperament, but perhaps for other reasons, just seem to live in a state of permanent discontent and are always anxious and always burdened. Now, the Apostle Paul was a man who went through many hard times, more than most of us will ever have to deal with. And yet, he tells us in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. He was contented. Interesting, of course, he says that he had learned to be content. Suggests it wasn't something that necessarily came naturally even to Paul. He had to learn to be content, and probably most of us have to learn to be content. But he had a real uh, contentment. It wasn't just because of Paul's personality or his outlook on life. This is something characteristic of God's people, something that Paul uh, sought for the Philippians, his first readers, and something that we too can experience. How can we do that? Well, we're told in Philippians 4 and verse 19, I want to turn to that verse this evening and think of God's rich provision. Philippians 4.19 reads, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God's rich provision. We're thinking of what the Lord supplies for his people. We need to think, first of all, as we look at this verse in its context, the preconditions of the supply. See, this isn't some kind of blank check uh, that anybody and everybody or even just any Christian can say, well, I'll have this regardless of what I do, how I live, what my outlook is. God will just make sure I have it. But you read Paul's circumstances And you see, there are preconditions to enjoying the supply that God gives. The first one, quite clearly, is generosity. Context is vital. We're always saying that, aren't we? Uh, You've got to look at verses in their context. And verses 14 to 16 will give you the context for what Paul says here. 
He's writing to the Philippians. The Philippians had been the only congregation that had cared for Paul's practical needs. And he had had many of them on this missionary enterprise. It says in verse 14, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Others hadn't. Had they not known? Had they not cared? We don't know exactly. But it meant much to Paul that these Philippians uniquely had taken practical steps to help him, to care for him, to supply his needs. Now, they weren't rich. We're not thinking of a congregation uh, that was, as we might say, rolling in money. Most of the early Christians were from the lower classes. In fact, a significant percentage would be slaves who had nothing. So this is not a body of wealthy people who are well able to support Paul, but it matters to them that he should be cared for. And look at how he describes what they provided. Verse 18, a fragrant offering, pleasing to God. That's striking. The sense that their giving to Paul delighted the Lord. It was like the, the aroma from the sacrifice and the incense rising to heaven and God was delighted by it. And when he saw them providing for his servant Paul, God was delighted. And in return, he will meet their needs. And surely there's an important lesson there for us as we think of our Christian discipleship and the provision that God makes for us. We can't really expect God's supply if we're hoarding what he has given us and clinging onto it for our own uh, selfish use. We're not talking about providing for our own needs. We have a responsibility to do that when we can. But clinging on to and hoarding for our selfish enjoyment. Again and again, the Bible commands God's people to be generous, to be open-handed. We have it in James 1.27, for example, where true religion is defined in terms of caring for orphans and widows, the, the most needy in that society, the ones who would struggle more than anybody else, widows and orphans. And the Lord is pleased to bless whatever is done to his glory. The giving, the support of the needy, done for the glory of God, he in turn will bless it. Now we need to be careful here, of course. We could easily misunderstand, and there have been those who have done that. The scriptures are not suggesting that if you give to God or give to God's glory, then God will repay you amply, tenfold, twentyfold, whatever, as if God was some kind of superior investment. Better to put your money into God than to put it into some financial scheme. And there have been those, of course, who preached that message. We've had them in our own province in the past. Give to God and he'll give back more. And so foolish people, of course, gave their money to the preacher. And their motive was that they would get back far, far more than they gave. And that kind of deception eventually was exposed and people sometimes were badly hurt financially and spiritually. That is not what Paul is saying. It's not what the scriptures say. God isn't some kind of financial 
investment scheme. And if we give to the Lord and the Lord's work with an eye chiefly to our own advantage and what we will get back, I believe we're disqualified from blessing. We needn't expect to be blessed if that is our motivation. There's to be no selfish calculation in our use of the means God has given us. That is not to be our attitude in giving to the Lord and to the Lord's work. Our concern is to be for others. Yet the Lord does give us rich promises if we are generous. The Savior himself tells us, for example, in Mark 10, verse 29, he says to his disciples, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. God delights to see generosity on the part of his people, both materially and spiritually. But generosity is one of the preconditions for the supply. Use what God has given for his glory and for his people. But surely also it's clear that the other precondition is a sense of need. A sense of need. There is the temptation often, isn't there, to try to rely on ourselves, to act as if we're self-sufficient. We might not If we were asked directly, we might not say we think we're self-sufficient, and yet we behave that way. We behave as if we depend on nobody. That's a very dangerous position for the Lord's people ever to get into. There's a warning, isn't there, from the church at Laodicea, Revelation 3 and verse 17. What were they saying? They're saying, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. There was complacency. There was no sense of need of the Lord's help and provision in Laodicea. And the Lord reacted very strongly against that. And the fact was, of course, they were deceiving themselves. They were not self-sufficient and they were not wealthy. Certainly not in spiritual terms. The very opposite of their true condition. We need to recognize constantly our total dependence on God for everything. For our physical needs, health very obviously, but whatever we need for life in this world, we're not in any sense saying there's no need to work and work hard to provide, but in the end, as the Bible reminds us, it's God who gives us the ability to earn. He gives us the health and strength And he doesn't just provide for our physical needs, but of course, supremely for our spiritual needs. But we depend on the Lord. And that hurts our pride. That humbles us. And yet it's simply recognizing a fact. That is our condition. We're fools. If we don't understand that, we need a sense of dependence on God. And the opposite, a sense of self-sufficiency, cuts us off from God's supply. 
we don't think we need anything from him, then we'll not be looking to him and we'll not be receiving the blessings that he has for us. Could it be sometimes that our lack of blessing can be traced back to our failure to recognize our need? That we're not looking to God because we think we don't need him. We think we can get along well enough by our own resources, our own wisdom, our own abilities, and so we don't look to the Lord, we don't call out to him, and we don't receive the blessing. And it's no surprise. The preconditions of the supply. There needs to be generosity with what God has given us. Not clinging to it, holding it tight, but using it for his glory. And there needs to be a sense of dependence, a recognition of the fact that we depend on the Lord for everything. And if he takes it away from us for a moment, then isn't that when we realize how dependent we are? He can take away a job. He can take away health. He can take away a provision for gospel work. And if we haven't been looking to the Lord to provide, then we've no cause for complaint. The preconditions of the supply. But then secondly, we see the author of the supply. The author of the supply. My God, Paul writes, will meet all your needs. Or my God will supply all your needs. And the stress, of course, is on God's provision. God is at the center of what Paul has to say here. This is the God who has accepted uh, the generosity of the Philippians, their uh, fragrant uh, offering, their sacrifice that Paul writes about in verse 18, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And God is so pleased with their gift to Paul, he will in turn supply all the needs of the Philippians. Isn't it amazing that God so closely identifies himself with his own people that when good is done to them, God counts it as good done to him. That's how closely he binds himself to his own people. What is done to his people is done to him. And what is done for his people is done to him. For him. And so when kindness is shown to one of God's servants like Paul, the Lord counts it as a kindness done to him. That's what lies behind uh, the Lord's words at the last judgment recorded in Matthew 25 40. When the Lord Jesus as judge says to the sheep, to the believers before him, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That is how the Lord treasures what is done for his people. He counts it as done for him. The Lord is concerned for his people. The Lord is the author of this supply, and he's concerned for their bodily needs and for their spiritual needs. We need to be careful we don't so spiritualize God's provision that we forget that our bodily, our physical, our material needs 
are of concern to our loving Father in heaven. They're not insignificant. They matter to the Lord. We're singing a short time ago from Psalm 145. And there in verse 16, the psalmist speaks of a God who satisfies the desires of every living thing. And that's provision on the material, physical level. It's for even the the material creation, not just human beings. God, in what we sometimes call his common grace, provides for the whole creation in so many ways. The rain, the sunshine, the crops that grow and so forth. He provides for physical needs. Let's not so spiritualize God's provision that we forget those fundamentals, those basics. But of course, it's the spiritual blessings of salvation that delight our souls particularly. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's good for us to stop for a moment and just let that sink in and really grasp what God's Word is saying. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. And the whole of our life is in view. Every aspect of of who we are, what we do, is of concern to the Lord. Nothing's trivial about his people as far as God's concerned. It all matters. It means all of it can be the subject of prayer as well. We might remember that. God had proven his care for Paul time and time again. Even as he's in prison writing this letter to the Philippians, God's still caring for him. The Lord hasn't abandoned him, never would abandon him. Even when Paul would go out from his last imprisonment to execution, God still hadn't abandoned him. God was with him and provided for him right to the very end. When we look at our own lives, and aren't there multitudes of examples of how God has provided for us. In world terms, we're wealthy people, all of us. And God has provided in so many ways for our physical needs and our material needs. And then think of what he's done for our souls in Christ. And how day by day he gives us everything we need in order to serve him. We've endless examples if we stop and think. It's a good exercise to do that. So easily the enemy gets us focusing on the difficulties and the struggles and the problems. And they're there. We're not minimizing them. But to stop and consider, what has the Lord done for me? What has the Lord provided for me already? And there's so many reasons for thanksgiving. And this is the God, of course, who is able to supply. Sometimes we want to help people, and we're not able. We don't have the resources. We don't have the opportunity. But here is a God who is always able 
to supply. Literally, Paul says, my God will fulfill all your need. Significant word. He will fulfill all your need. There's a completeness about the supply. There's an ability on God's part that nothing will be lacking. This isn't a God who makes empty promises. He's a God who's all the resources that are necessary. My God will meet all your needs. Note, of course, your needs. Not everything we want, not everything we might wish for, not everything we even think we need. Sometimes we're not very good at knowing what we really need. Isn't it wonderful to be able to turn back to the Lord in the confidence that he has infinite wisdom and he has perfect knowledge of us. And so even when we don't know what we need and sometimes haven't a notion how to pray, he knows and he's able to supply. There's never a shortfall. The author of the supply, it's the Lord himself, infinite in his knowledge and his love and his power, absolutely sufficient. The preconditions of the supply. The author of the supply. We see also here the source of the supply. The source of the supply. And we're really expanding now on what we said about God's ability to provide. His resources are unlimited. We will never come to the end of them. Paul refers here to his glorious riches, or literally his riches in glory. All the abundance of God himself is available to meet the needs of his people. Glorious Riches, God of infinite power. There's no end to the potential supply. We'll never come to God and he'll turn us away because he's run out of something. It will always be supplied, whatever we need. And Paul specifies it further, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we're taken back to the Savior. And he is the key to all blessing. He is the key to the Lord's supply. Everything we receive is in Christ Jesus, in union with Christ, our Lord and Savior. All supply that you will ever receive from the Lord flows to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved you And has given himself for you. Because all the supply is there in him. By his life and his death and his glorious resurrection. He has provided everything that's needed to save you. And to enable you to live the Christian life. It's all there. Let's never narrow God's provision in Christ. To simply the forgiveness of sins. That is that. And that is Wonderful. If that were all that God gave us, we should be filled with thanksgiving. But it's not all. Along with the forgiveness of sins, we have all the grace, all the strength, all the blessing we require to live the Christian life. This is the Christ 
who in the language of Ephesians 1.22 is head over everything for the benefit of the church. Isn't that an amazing thought? That Christ is head over the entire universe and that provision is for the Lord's people. And so the supply is full, it is perfect. And the physical and the spiritual welfare of Christ's body are his concern. He knows us and he will not allow us to come to any harm. Nothing comes to the Lord's people that is outside his loving purpose. It doesn't mean there won't be trials. It doesn't mean there won't be pain. Of course not. But nothing comes outside his loving purpose and with the grace we need to bear it and to cope with it. Remember that God has already given you the greatest gift of all. He's given you his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ, all the blessings that you will ever need. But you do not have to be in any doubt as to whether God will supply or not. Because he's given you the greatest gift. That's the thought in Paul's mind in Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? We've already got Christ. And so in a profound sense, we've already got everything. It is all there in him. Christ is everything to us, isn't he? And in Christ there is this abundant provision. Think of the different needs we encounter in the course of life. From this Lord we receive strength in our struggles with temptation. Encouragement when we're downcast or depressed. Growth in grace and in godliness that more and more we reflect the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no situation, there is no need that the Christian will ever encounter for which God has not provided. When we are told God will meet all your needs, it means all your needs. There's no situation you will ever face that takes God by surprise. Nothing that he failed to foresee, and so there is no provision available. He knows all that will come in the course of his plan and purpose for you. Nothing will catch him out. Nothing will take him unawares. Nothing will be left without provision. He knows all, and he has provided all. And what greater cause for contentment could there be than that? Oh, yes, there are some people who are more contented than others just because that's their personality, that's their temperament. That's not what we're talking about. We're not dealing with issues of temperament. This is something profoundly 
spiritual. This is about our relationship to the Lord. And the provision has been made in Christ Jesus for all our need. God knows the need. And he knows it to the very last moment of life in this earth and then on into eternity for each of us. It's all there already in Christ Jesus. When a need arises, the Lord doesn't look around and try and find help or resources from somewhere. It's there in Christ for you. As it were, with your name on it, ready and waiting, if you will come to the Lord. There is the source of the supply, the glorious riches of God in Christ Jesus, crucified and risen and reigning Savior, one who shed his blood to purchase this supply. So the preconditions of God's supply, generosity and a sense of need, Thought of the author of the supply, it's the Lord himself, our God. One who has loved us and made such rich provision and is able to meet our need. The thought of the source of the supply, it's the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He is always at the center. And so it brings us finally to think of the greatness of the supply. It's greatness. Because that really is the note that Paul strikes, isn't it? He's not describing a God who gives us just a little. Just enough for us to get by on. Who gives blessing a drip at a time. The bare essentials, far from it. But everything that Paul has to say about God's provision emphasizes the greatness of the supply. It's abundant. Did you notice the expression he uses, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? He doesn't simply say from his riches, but according to. The Lord gives us in proportion to his infinite resources. That is wonderfully encouraging. He's not like a millionaire who gives a couple of pounds to somebody in need and he never notices it. He's not giving in proportion to his wealth, but God gives in proportion to his glorious riches. He has abundant supply and he gives us abundantly everything that we require. Listen to some of the language that's used in Scripture, the promise to the faithful tither, Malachi 3.10. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Isn't that a magnificent picture of God's supply? The floodgates will open. The blessings will flow and you won't have room enough for what God gives. Supply beyond what we need. Beyond what we could expect. 
Can't you echo that in your own experience, in your own life? The difficult and testing times, God gave you more than you expected and more than you needed, especially in the trying times. There's abundance and there's also certainty. Certainty. There's no doubt in Paul's mind about the supply. He doesn't say, my God might possibly meet your needs. He doesn't say, I hope my God will meet your needs, and I'm fairly sure he will. But the language of certainty. My God will meet all your needs. Simple statement. A breathtaking statement. His own experience strengthened his conviction because God had supplied all his needs. And he was resting on so many promises the Old Testament and as the New Testament was being produced and what Paul himself was writing. So many promises. The certainty of the supply. And if these things are true, if our God will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, doesn't that free us from so many of the anxieties and the burdens that people around us experience? Because people are burdened, and they're fearful, and they're anxious. And it's sad when Christians who have all this supply in the Lord have the same burdens, and the same anxieties, and the same fears. We're not suggesting we ignore the problems and pretend the struggles aren't there. But what God supplies is so much greater. We're not resting on optimism. We're not resting on our sunny temperaments if we've got one. We're resting on God himself and on his promises and on the eternal truths about who he is and what he's done for us in Christ. If we use what he's already given us generously and recognize our dependence on him, he will meet all our needs, all of them. And he knows what the needs are. And he will do it in proportion to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You will be amazed what he gives you. Maybe things you wanted he doesn't give you. There'll be things you never dreamt of that he will give you, but he knows perfectly. Here is a promise to take to heart. The struggles for the burdens, the trials, they'll come. We know there will. Maybe in the midst of them, even this evening. Here is God's supply, promised by him, and it will not fail. It will be abundant, and it is certain. May he enable us to rest in these wonderful words he gave the apostle. My God will meet all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus.